G'day, everybody. Welcome back to Paddlecast. My guest today, I'm just laughing at myself. I wrote a note here that says two minutes on it. I was going to try and keep today's intro to two minutes in length. We both know that's not going to happen. My guest today is a fascinating paddler, a really interesting guy and someone I had a pleasure chatting with for over an hour. Uh, He's an Olympic athlete. He's an Olympic coach. He's an all-round badass with a paddle in his hand. Uh, No matter whether he's on one knee in a sprint canoe or on two feet on a stand-up paddleboard, this dude is fast. His name is Andre Kreator, and I kind of wish I could speak Russian just because his name sounds even cooler with a Russian accent. Anyway, Andre's a really interesting guy. He's represented three different nations at the highest level, including for Russia at the 2016 Olympics in Rio, where he qualified for the final and was in with a real shot at a medal. And I'm not going to spoil the race. I'll let you watch it because we actually watch it here on the show today. But it was fascinating because Andre told us the story of basically training for 15 years leading up to that one 40-second race and all the highs and the lows and the pressure and the drama and some of the politics that goes on behind the scenes. There's a reason why he's represented three different nations. You'll find that out on the show. Anyway, I had a great time chatting with Andre. He's a really good guy, and he was very open and honest about the realities of his sport and just being an Olympic athlete in general. Andre is also, well, he's also a Club Sup Racer member. So thank you. Thank you for joining, buddy. I really appreciate that. Uh, but Andre is also a coach now for the Chinese Women's National Sprint Canoe Team. He lives over there in China. I was speaking to him today from China, which kind of explains some of the... Uh, the internet hiccups that we worked our way through, but we got there in the end. We also get to watch a lot of races, uh, a lot of canoe races. We had six or seven different races lined up. So if you're watching the YouTube version or if you're not watching the YouTube version, get on YouTube because this is a very visual episode. And I got to tell you, every time I see these canoe races, I become more and more of a fan. When I chat with these canoe boys, we've had Tommy Boudet, uh, Larry Kane, Jimmy Terrell's coming up and now Andre. That's four different sprint canoeists who are all in the Olympics. And when I hear their stories and watch their races, I genuinely become more and more of a fan of this sport. I think we could learn a lot from Sprint Canoe. For one, there's a huge untapped uh, potential field of athletes that could jump over from Sprint Canoe to stand up paddling. But two, I think we could learn a lot from how they run their races, their broadcasts, all that kind of thing, but especially how they get their juniors uh, through the clubs into the sport. There's just thousands of junior canoe paddlers around the world, especially over there in Europe. There's nowhere near as many in stand-up paddling, so I think that's something we could definitely learn from. Anyway, I had a great time chatting with Andre. I hope you enjoy today's show. I hope you're enjoying all these Paddlecast episodes. Being off air for a few days, there's a pretty good reason. Uh, For one, I decided that maybe the daily quarantine editions of the podcast could ease back now that the restrictions are being eased back, and also just for my own personal sanity and the realization that nobody needs to hear my voice for an hour every single day of the year. So we'll probably do four or five of these a week. Um, I also want to do more of those story time with Supracer, kind of Shakespearean monologues just to tell some stories about the old days. Anyway, I hope you're enjoying these shows. If you are and you'd like to support them, you can jump onto Club Supracer. It's a special members only club. You can pledge a few bucks a week on Patreon and just support what I do. Go to supracer.com slash club for all the details. I'd like to give a special thank you to one particular club Supracer member in each of these intros. I'm calling them the patron saints of Supracer. Today's patron saint is James Casey, uh, a familiar name in the community. And I was a little surprised when I saw him sign up because I wasn't sure if any of the elite athletes, you know, if club Supracer would be something that would um, even be on their radar. But I shouldn't have been surprised for even more than a second because I realized who I was talking about is James Casey. He is the most selfless, 
Is that a word? Most selfless? Is that a term? Least selfish? I don't know. He's a very selfless guy. He gives a lot to the community. He's raised tens of thousands of dollars for charities. The guy is an absolute legend, apart from being a legend on the water. He's the reigning Molokai Tuahu champion. But off the water, this guy is a pillar of the community. Um, I have the utmost respect for Jimmy, and it was uh, a real honor when I saw that he'd uh, signed up to support me through Club Sup Racer. So firstly, Jimmy, thank you for joining Club Sup Racer, but much more than that, thank you for everything you do for the community. Uh, it certainly does not go unnoticed. You've had a huge impact, and um, keep doing what you do, buddy. Anyway, I'm going to stop it there. I said two minutes. We ended up at just over four. I'll take that. Here he is, my guest today, Andre Krator. How do you actually pronounce your last name? Krator. Krator. Andre Krator. Andre yeah. Krator. Andre, welcome yeah. to the show, buddy. It's a yeah. pleasure to have you on. Thank you for your patience sorting out the tech oh, difficulties. I'm super happy. How's, um, how's things? Have you been coaching for like 12 hours today already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 6.30 wake up, first session, second session, 10 o'clock, and 16, 4 o'clock afternoon, third session. Damn. So you're just, um, you're just training future gold medalists over there. Is China going to sweep? For sure. Sweep the podium Just next the year? Just the gold medals. Just the gold medals. The Chinese, they doesn't have silver or bronze medal. You know, <laughs> when they have a meeting, and when, when we really speak about like the forecast for the Olympic Games and the coaches say, okay, we are like uh, expecting two gold and two silver medals. And the leaders say, okay, so you have to make priority. And from these two silver, you have to make the third gold medal. We don't need silver medal really they don't care yes yes they don't care and you know it's actually it's not just in china on in all of this big country i'm really been in three different national team ukraine azerbaijan and russia so in russia is the same it's like when you sit in with the president of the federation after the season and you have you have around 10 15 medals from the world championship in the team you know and he is like just on the table you have some five gold and maybe seven eight bronze medal and he just like take to decide this bronze medal and okay this is the medals this is the this is what we need so uh, wow. in the, some country the bronze medal is the shame actually yeah <laughs> this really <laughs> crazy that's crazy and for the some small european country you know you can be the in the final for example in the world championship and you can back to the home like the hero but in this country, with the same empire mentality like China, like Russia, really just the gold medal. Because uh, we, we, we say the sport is out of politics, but in this country, you can understand this is the mm -hmm. biggest politics and this is the biggest war actually continue. And this is where they fight this kind of country. Wow, that must be intense. That must be a bit of pressure for your job. A lot of pressure. So who are you actually preparing? You're coaching the women's national sprint canoe team for China? So yes, the, my, my role here, I'm the technical coach uh, for the women canoe sprint team. Yes, because uh, we have like the head coach, uh, the guy who is make the plan, do the all methodics for the training. We have the straight condition coaches. Uh, they are also from the US, from Australia, from all around the world. Actually, the best best uh, guys in, in, in this in the some sp specific uh, work. 
and everyone is responsible for, for his own thing. So I'm responsible for the techniques. I also can can share some of my drills, some of my secrets about the sprint. Uh, but I don't make the plan for the training. Just uh, during the specific preparation, I have like three day in the week uh, to do my, my really my, my training. What I, I really suggest, and they prove or not. So wow. yes, and I'm do the video. I'm do video analyzing with them, and yeah, that's that's my work. How's your Chinese going? Are you picking up the language? Uh, really. Actually, yes. Actually, a little bit, yes. Not just because I'm learned, just because during the one and a half year you will, you will, you will speak something. At least this kind of the vocabulary, like okay, longer power, uh, hips, shoulders, uh, all the like technical part. Yes, uh, we really know because the good thing is we have like uh, interpreter. You know, it's not really translator. Interpret interpreter is the guy who really transfer your emotions so when i'm like pissed off of them when i really screaming he is screaming on them when i say like okay that's the good like like you know push them in a good way he is also transfer this to chinese so that's that's actually really important because for sure they think in absolutely different that the mentality and the way how they think and the way how to explain to them what to do is absolutely different compared to the western people wow do the women you're coaching speak English or is everything going through an interpreter? Uh, they, they, they start to speak and actually a few weeks ago, uh, the team received the order from the Xi Jinping, from the, from the president of the party of the China, that uh, everyone should learn English every day, one hour. And now they have at seven o'clock when we have the some lecture, they have English lessons. Wow. Chinese athletes. Yes. And they really learn fast. Really surprised because in a few weeks they really start to speak about windy, wavy, my back <laughs> is hurts, my shoulders <laughs> is hurts. So they, they really learn what they have to do, what they have to say. And yeah. They, they, but in this way, my English is getting much more simple. Like my English is simple <laughs> at all, but with them is going to like, okay, me, you come here, there, go strong, bad, like this, you know. Is being a Chinese Olympic athlete the same as any other country or is it next level? Is it more intense in China? More intense. Look, uh, for example, what I also found here, first of all, the Chinese uh, athletes is the most athletic athletes I ever seen. That's for sure. Uh, they are able to training 355 days in the year. So they, we have just the 12 days uh, like vacation between the season. And they are really able to do it 24 hours. I never saw that before. For example, if we take Russia and a lot of European country, even some uh, country in the America, both of America, a lot of coaches there is from the uh, like uh, post-communistic country like Romania, Hungary, and all of this country, uh, all of this country have their own periodization of training. Like periodization in Russia and in a lot of country in Europe, it looks like, okay, you work 24 days, 21 or 24 days, and you have six days uh, is like off 
is means not off. You like go down maybe one session per day, and then you come back for the another block. And you have these uh, micro cycles. You have the meso cycles. But here we don't have this. We just work uh, from first October until the twenty of September. You know, wow. like or, I mean, yeah, yeah. So what do you think? Are you getting some gold medals next year in Tokyo? Yes, for sure. We have uh, we have. Phew. For example, three uh, last world championship in the Seged. We picked up the four gold medals in the three of them is the in the Olympic discipline, and two of these gold medals with the world best time. And really, wow. like uh, the men's uh, C two thousand meters won a lot with the with the best time ever, and the women C two also won with the best time ever, like one boat. So uh, these wow. guys. If if we if we, if we have if we have Olympic Games this season, absolutely. <laughs> if it's just uh, yes, if uh, is it going to happen? Actually, do you know anything that we don't know? Oh, ah, twenty twenty no twenty 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 one. Twenty twenty one. Yes, okay. I've I've heard some uh, some conversations that. Uh, uh, Japanese, they really start to speak about if uh, if the world doesn't produce the vaccine uh, until the new year. So there is the big chance to to cancel the Olympic Games at all. Mm. And and you know what? In this way, when they start to speak about uh, maybe we will postpone Olympic Games, it's happened. It's happened. Yeah. When they start to when at least okay if it's not the real but if this conversation is appears somewhere somehow so probably somebody start to speak about that and maybe one of the way so really I don't know now is everything is changing so fast so yeah man it's crazy times so you got a one year extension time. on your contract I'm guessing you were gonna go yes. home in a couple of months yes. yeah. <laughs> no, we know because uh, so we actually had also the big meeting about that what to do with the season because we we made we've made we've done like really great job in Portugal we we spent five months in Portugal before we came here and we re reached really good level for of the of the athletes really good performance and to okay we don't have the Olympic Games we don't have the World Cups we don't have the we don't have any competition. Uh, we don't have a lot of competition in our sport. Our sport is the cyclical sport. We have three, originally two, three peaks in the season. Like the start of the season is the World Cups. It's not the maybe it's ninety percent of the, your performance, and then you go up for the one hundred uh, percent of your performance to the World Championship. And now we don't have this competition, but all of the coaches that they are like for sure say, but we have to keep. We cannot break. We cannot stop. You know the cycle. We cannot uh, just stop training. We have to keep the methodics. We have to keep the plan. Maybe not in that hard intensity like we, we we would do if we have this Olympic Games or some World Cups. But we have to finish the season. We will do the our own competition here in the same date when will when supposed to be Olympic Games. Yeah. And after that, we will have the yeah the two weeks. Twelve day uh, holiday. <laughs> Twelve day holidays. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What's more. What's more intense for you, being a coach or when you were an athlete? Uh, so when I'm uh, be, be a coach is uh, 
much more challenging and much more responsible because uh, when I'm athletes, uh, so look, what, what, I'm, what I carry is just to go on the training, to be ready for training and the rest of the time I go rest or sometimes somewhere now. All this time, I we also busy. We also thinking. We are. We make some decision. We believe in this decision. We were not sure if it will work for these athletes or not. So this is like uh, much more interesting. But it's slowly, slowly, it's uh, coming, coming more and more because okay, I, I really had a, the lucky to work with the with the best coaches when I was the athletes. So uh, I'm originally Ukrainian. My first coach was the, my father and he is the really the best, the kids coach. And the kids coach is actually the totally different casta, you know, that's not the, that coach who can bring you to the, who can bring any athletes to the uh, high level. The kids coach is really teacher. He should understand like, why you don't want to come on the training or this and that on this level you know we 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 know that we have to do this we don't need to push us because we make this decision so uh, when i finished school i moved to azerbaijan and i was competing for the azerbaijan uh, and actually i'm listening to your your uh, chat with the Thomas Budai and he mentioned about the Ukrainian C2, Azerbaijanian Ukrainian C2 and actually that guy from the C2 is the atlas of my father. So I really knew wow. about the Thomas Budai. It's yes, a small the, world. The, yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. It's the small world because uh, uh, I was really uh, grew up on his video because I was watching the my guy in C2 and they were competing all the time really? against each other. And when I actually be, uh, start to learn stand-up parallel, I start to look in video in the YouTube and I found some video from the SIC when the Tommy explained the techniques in the soup. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, that's crazy. So about Azerbaijan and in Azerbaijan, so this guy, he's invited me there uh, for, the, for this team because was the, in 2010 was the first Junior Olympic Games in Singapore and 2009 was selection for these games. Azerbaijan was, uh, uh, was uh, start to develop the canoe and they invite me there. And there yeah. was the coach, uh, Ukraine, this, this is so Soviet Union coach, he's originally from Ukraine. Yeah, that's actually from training camp in Turkey. Yeah, some sprints. You surf in those things, man. Yeah, yes. Yeah, because that's really 2000, I think, 17, maybe this. And I was really more more playing, more having fun in my sport. After Rio, you know, the 200 meters is uh, not Olympic anymore. And it was really hard to, to push myself so hard in the canoe to training uh, as I do it before Olympic with the Olympic uh, goal in front. So when you've represented three different countries and now you're coaching in a yes. fourth different country. So you've been around yes. this sport. This sport has been your life since, when did you start paddling? How old were you? So my first competition was 2001 in the Kiev. It was international, uh, actually in that time it was big international event with the Germany, Belarus, Moldova, some uh, like what, six, seven country. I I'm 1992, I, I were competing for uh, 1990, so I mean I was the cadet, under, uh, I was like two years younger than the juniors was in that time and I took the bronze, that was my first competition 
and uh, that's so you're like nine it. years old yeah 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 it's like my, my father he, he, he was the coach he, he but he don't push me to paddle I was playing soccer I was doing everything like actually he's always said to me like Andre you are everywhere and nowhere because <laughs> I was one month there one month in the another place for the summer of course it's uh, training base because you know summer swimming is always fun <laughs> but never when 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 autumn is coming when the, this uh, long long uh, distance running when the gym is come because the water is closed i i always escape from the from the canoe <laughs> what was the uh what was it like qualifying for the olympics like what was that intensity how long did it take you <sighs> so i have Two Olympic cycle. I've been at just one Olympic Games, uh, but the, my first cycle was in 2012 before London. Uh, so that was the four years in Azerbaijan. And uh, so were you, actually, were you competing for Azerbaijan? Yes, I were competing from 2009 uh, until 2012 for Azerbaijan. Where is Azerbaijan? Azerbaijan is the, <laughs> like the maybe. Okay, it's close. I'm going to show. Georgia, I'm going to show everyone on the map. Yeah, this is the near the Caspian Sea. So this is still Europe, but it's uh, uh, almost uh, in the Caucasus mountain, and it's close to Iran, Islamic Republic of Iran, Georgia, Armenia. Yeah. Is it a big canoe culture there? Like, how did you end up in Azerbaijan? What was the story? So the story is the uh, uh, Azerbaijan. Uh, the okay is the rich uh, country, small rich country with the oil. Mm -hmm. And Azerbaijan, they were they were in the game uh, to 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 host Olympic Games actually, and they were in the top. Uh, they were on the stage where it was just the five country. Yeah, right. Uh, in the moment when when the country is passing to this uh, level to host the olympic games they should have the all facilities for the all olympic sport and they start to develop the all sport uh, what they doesn't have at the moment so canoe kayak is the one of the sport it was the really huge training center for the soviet union team is like was the really old old facility but it's the good lake it's really big, uh, big lake and river there. Actually, not on this side where is the Caspian Sea, close to the Georgia. Close to the Georgia, you can see yeah, Minger. You see, yes. Mm. So from this lake, is going the river. So Mingichevir is exactly the city where we uh, lived and where we train, and where was the European Games? You know, in Baku, 2000, uh, I guess 2014 was the European Games. It's the same like Pan-American Games, like uh, Asian Games. Uh, and they, they built the new training center for the Olympic, with the Olympic standards. And they start to invite the athletes from all around the world just to start to represent Azerbaijan flag on the international level. And that's how we went there. We were like six guys from Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. And it's a modern country, huh? Like, yes, Baku is absolutely is like New Dubai. Baku, Baku is the capital. is amazing city, actually, near the sea. Uh, super, super. Uh, okay, you have old part and you have like the new part. You see, this is the flame tower. This street tower is the proud of the uh, of the country. 
Yeah, right. How long were you in Azerbaijan? For four seasons. So it's three years, but four seasons. So I, 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 I was in the, I was finishing school, and they invite me for the like to see me, what I can, how I can do the sport. I came for the one month uh, with the, my father in that time. Uh, it was the, some local competition. I, I was, I won the three race 1500 200 and they said to me okay if you want you can stay training for us next year we have the uh, selection for the junior olympic games 2010 which uh, which at the junior world championship and if you want you can stay and in that time uh, yes i, I uh, made decision to to be in the sport because uh, when i was in the school i was normal uh, studying i was not on the training camps all the time so i was really normal study full full time on the school and doing sport during the season and i was studying actually good my mom was like okay you have to study all the story and the father he he never pushed me like okay do sport or do what what you want to do in the one moment i just came to him and i said okay because i've been i i took the bronze at the ukrainian ship and i'm really training not too much and I said to him, oh, I want to win, really. I want to win, I want to win. And he said, okay, if you want to win, we, we have to really train more. And I said, okay, no problem. And he said, okay, so next morning, six before school, we are wake up and we go into paddle. <laughs> okay, but, but I, I, I lived really close to the river and to the, our uh, base because I'm from the small town, it's 3,000 population, so it's really small. And uh, I'm start to train. That's one of the actually oh this guy this guy he is also ukrainian and he and we were together in azerbaijan and uh, just because of the his actually actually results i wasn't at london olympic games oh yeah he, st he stole your spot yeah uh, you know the story like okay any olympic games you have nine lines in the final and yeah. there's behind these nine lines is always some drama Believe yeah. me, it's always some drama, but we know just about the the happy end of the story. When the guy took the medal or win the Olympic Games, now after that we have the, some movie or some really <laughs> amazing story, but we, we didn't know. So the what's, the, what's the drama? What's the drama behind the scenes here? So, uh, okay, for for London Olympic Games, uh, I'm just uh, I'm just finished junior, so I, I was 18 years old. And uh, this guy, he was already three-time world champion at C1 200 meters. He is Ukrainian. And we were both in Azerbaijan, he and me. And, and, and I was the junior, he was the senior, and we have the C2. And actually, we took, all of us took the medals at the world championship. So we really, like, we, we were really the, the super successful team. And 2012 spring, we have the local competition, local selection, Azerbaijan, for the World Cups. At the World Cups... Uh, the country can represent two athletes. That's only one competition when the country can represent two athletes. And I won this first uh, selection in the, in the Azerbaijan. But I was 18 years old. He was at the moment 27 or something. And uh, the president of the Azerbaijan Federation, he said, okay, guys, uh, this is local competition. Let's go to the World Cups. And we have two World Cups. Who, who will uh, won? each like okay you have two world cups uh who, who will be first uh, that, that guy will go to the olympic games and i won both of the world cups actually that was really my maybe one of my best shape 
in that uh, in, during all my career and also just because I was really young and I didn't understand the, my in my performance and that I really in the front of the all and I won the first World Cup and I won the second World Cup so this was Poznan 2012 Poland and Moscow and uh, after that we had another meeting with the president and this guy he said this guy he's young he don't have experience and uh, I promise you he said to the president uh, in his face I promise you I will win Olympic gold medal and he said no you pay me salary and I promise you I will win the world champion in 2011 if I'm lose I give you all money back <laughs> and he said okay deal okay you have to understand this is Azerbaijan it's Muslim country is also different mentality and this like conversation is just conversation between two men and he won the world champion in 2011 so means he said, I will win the I will win Olympic uh, world champion and he won world champion. And after one year happens the same and he said, I will win Olympic Games. And he said, wow. yes, I believe you because one time you told me and you made it. So, okay, Andre, <laughs> sorry, but you are really have experience or you don't have experience. Uh, so that's all. And I say, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm leaving the country and I, I, wow. I, I went back to Ukraine. Uh, I went back to Ukraine, and after three months of vacation, I I will I will start to looking for the new country. And actually, I just uh, decided to go Russia, because that's the strongest uh, sprint championship in the all around the world for sure. It's the best sprint atlas there, and there's good coaches there. And I'm just called to the one famous coach of the Maxim Opalev, actually big legend in our sport. And I said, I'm free. And I want to compete for Russia, what we can do. And he said, okay, let's try to do it. And that's how I moved to Russia in uh, the winter after Olympic Games. Was it satisfying? Well, 2012. Was this race here satisfying because you beat that guy in the final? Yes, I beat him. <laughs> uh, I beat him a lot of time, actually. And that's the European Championship a uh, few months before Rio Olympic Games. That's really good, good, good race. And after 20 minutes, I took the bronze in C2, 200 meters also. What's it? How do you actually paddle one of these things? Because they, they have no fin, right? There's no rudder. They're extremely yeah. un unstable. So the, you know, the shape of the boat is uh, like have some, have lines, have, have lines on the bottom, have really lines. And... Uh, Okay, we do, we do the J-stroke in the end, and we also help uh, when we catch the stroke, just to, to, to bring your nose. But actually on the, you know, it's like to the right bicycle, you know, when you start to ride bicycle, you first one month, two months, you are fall down all the time. And after some experience, you really, you really learn how to, how to do that. The same in the boat. And on the high speed. Your hip is over the edge of the boat. Really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How wide? What's the width? What's the width of that boat you're in right there? Around 32, 35 centimeters. Wow. So what's that, like 12, yeah. uh, 14 inches? Yeah, yes. That is crazy. 14 inches, no fin. And it's what, like 16 feet long, 17 foot long? 5 meters, 20 centimeters. That's the standard. Uh, in uh, Before 2000... I think 16 is was uh, 16 kilogram. Now they cut to 14 kilogram. 
Yeah. And actually, some of the yeah, few of the world best time is uh, were broken after they cut two kilograms. Really? Yeah, we, we don't have world records like in track and field. We have uh, official world best time because it's always a matter of the condition, you know, the how deep is the really? water, how temperature of the water, uh, how the wind. Yeah, so it's like open sport and we don't have world record. We have official world best time is uh, qu quite, quite different because in the sum, for example, when is the water is uh, warmer, it's much more easy to reach the higher speed to the best speed and all, uh, all world best time uh, where uh, where made it for example in Plovdiv Bulgaria is really nice yeah. we got the course to make the world best time because the competition in July is like around 30 degrees there and the water is super hot and to make the world best time on the hot water is good on the cold water is much more harder to uh, speed up wow what's the um we're going to line up another race here under 23 200 meters Montemoro. What's this one? Montemoro. Yeah, actually, take a look here. This guy was second, and now this Henrik uh, Zostaukas from uh, Lithuania. Uh, you know, uh, my generation is like my junior, uh, uh, my junior, 1992 93 is the my generation. We were going from the junior to under 23 and to senior. So, like, was really a strong guy in, 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 this, in this my generation, and we were fighting all the time. And here is the, yeah, I'm lost actually 12, uh, how to say, 0 0.012 thousand of seconds. Wow. So nothing. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So if you see now, I'm the first, he with the yellow uh, nose of the ball, he's second. And I made this uh, jump in the end of the finish, you know, in the end of the race. And the first they announced that I won the race. Uh, and yeah. just after 20 <laughs> minutes of the photo finish, when we came to the medal ceremony, they, they put me on the second place. No. Yeah, look here. Oh. Man, he did a good jump at the end there. Yeah, but look, that's, 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 uh, and uh, yeah, I'm here screaming like, who, me or him? Because <laughs> we are always fighting. And the thing, you see the line on the pictures, but we don't see the line on the race. So we have the last buoy, which is red buoy, uh, and we have like space we don't know where is the finish so what normally i'm do before the race i go to, i i come in yeah I, I go to the race course i go to and i'm uh, go on the speed from the last buoy and i'm try to to count how many strokes from the last buoy i have to do to cross the finish line like my coach stay on the finish line you know on the shore taking a video and i do few attempt to just to find the perfect moment uh, to, to do this jump because I knew that uh, for example for the last five years uh, when the 200 became to Olympic the difference is all the races uh, finish in the half second oh you look see? at that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that the, that's one of my favorite parts about this sport is the lunge at the finish where you push the yeah. boat over that's so cool we need to see more of that in SUP I think this is a very cool technique yes uh, what's the, what's the rules you have to stay the in your boat. Is just the, the body should cross the finish line. And then you can fall your out. The body should. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and a lot of races are decided by how, how much you can push your boat over the end, right? You have to really train in this. 
you have to really to training this and it it's it's came and it will come in the soup i'm sure when the really will be close will be close fight you know between the between the all athletes because for example 10 years ago the first three plays were always fighting and the fourth fifth second six was really behind the behind this top three yeah. now when on the top level is like five six both fighting and even after the finish you don't know like you are third or you are six everyone is training this and try to do this wow so i'm won once time uh silver so i was basically on the finish force and i won the silver with this jump lost uh with this jump and actually one time i'm lost uh, at the european games for the bronze uh, so I, i've been a force so actually i have two races without medal is the european games and the olympic games <laughs> which is most important <laughs> which is most important uh, events actually in the whole career but i'm uh, lost the medals in these two events tell us about the c2 how how different is it when you've got someone else in the boat with you because i was chatting with tommy c2. and larry and they said it's like a whole different um mindset because you have to synchronize yourself right yes c2 is art really and uh, i love c2 uh, it's really pity that we don't have like 500 meters at olympic games that was the most uh, dynamic and impressive race for me for example and uh, yeah c2 every like you with your partner should be so to feel each other really to feel each other uh, to go really fast and to go straight and to put the same uh, power uh, in the stroke because if you will push a little bit more you will you will uh, you will get tired before him yeah. and in the end of the race you will just feel how the boat is just going like in the sense like it's not gliding because you don't have the equal power from the both sides so that's really uh, you know how how the russian coaches say like uh, sometimes two of the guys they are uh, they are walking somewhere and they don't know their perfect c2 it's just you have to try and normally from the beginning you you can understand if it can be good or not because this is like you know uh, we have different techniques of course we have different techniques and uh, you can see this uh, different in the air but still it's just more important the moment when the blade is touch the water till the moment when the blade is exit from the water and if you do it together if you feel each other this can be the really good uh, good c2 what's with the this fashion race, uh, what's with the fashion in um, sprint canoe you guys are wearing tights there's no board shorts in sprint I, canoe. I, <laughs> yes, yeah, you know, you know, actually, one uh, one American guy he he was competing in the basketball basketball shorts, even much more bigger than the board shorts. Yeah, I think it's uh, yeah, it's uh, of the wind. How to say of the uh, not the air 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 dynamic? Yeah, maybe like uh, if it's the uh, head wind and you have something like. Uh, like parachute for sure it will cut seconds yeah but this is uh, during the some world cups when it's tailwind really strong tailwind people put some some something bigger to have oh, yeah. a small parachute because for the thousand meters it can play one second for example yeah. wow so it's basically like cycling you guys look like yes. cyclists yeah but 
I, I were training always in the board shorts. Yeah. You like the beach fashion? Yeah, because no, actually no, because in my in my whole training, <laughs> these things is you know like uh, guys from the street don't understand this. <laughs> <laughs> what speed you guys going here? What's the um? This is uh, the two hundred meters. kilometers per hour, into five kilometers per hour. So you're going like sixty, seventy percent faster than on a stand up paddleboard. Yeah. In the in the C1, uh, the top speed for the 200 meters is around 20. It can it uh, can be 21 during uh, during the race. In the middle of the race, on the finish is 19 point half. So uh, at the I, at the for example in Sindao, I'm reached the 15.7, and I finished with the 15.3. So probably Connor, I, I I believe he had like 16, 16 and something kilometers per hour. Yeah, I want to get your thoughts on the crossover between Canoe and Sup because that was fascinating in Qingdao. But there's a couple of more videos I want to go through first. We're mm -hmm. going to save we're going to save the big one for last, the Olympics. But this is not one you sent me, but I found this and I was fascinated by it because I didn't even know it existed. What the hell is C4? This is amazing. C4, that's This that's, is batshit crazy. <laughs> oh yeah. C C4, it's uh... Also, unfortunately, we don't have now a lot of race of C4, just C4 500 meters. Uh, I Did you ever C4 do this? 200. Yes, I compete all, all crew. Actually, I compete the C4 200 meters. Look at those at things. World University Games. Oh, yeah? Yeah, in 2013, and we won, yeah. That is amazing. Yes, <laughs> C4 is like, it's good, uh, it's good to C2. So the position in C4, like also like Tommy mentioned, the first guy is the guy who give the amplitude and temp and rhythm. Second two is the like gear, is the power, is the really should be strong guy. And the fourth guy, he really just the steering the boat because the C4 uh, is actually more much more harder to steer than C2. And if the C, yeah, and if the C4 goes to the side, it's really hard to, to, to keep it you can find a lot of races where the c4 the they lost the direction and go to across to the lines and yeah. we have the rules you cannot go uh, more than three meters left or right from the middle of the line mexico's got a team in there the, i've never seen mexico in a canoe race yes yes they, they have one guy world champion actually and they have the guy uh, two-time olympian i mean he, he was at olympic games uh, they have good uh, woman kayak now yeah they 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 catch the medal at pan-american games in canoe kayak so they are good yeah why is it such an eastern european dominated sport why is it that ukraine russia hungary of course germany but there's so many eastern european nations on the podium yeah why, why so for for me uh you know uh, i will turn this question a little bit like if uh, because when I, I was on the fuse oh yeah you see how the guy was trying to steer the boat uh if the some uh, some country ask or some city ask, okay, what what, what do to develop the sport canoe and kayak? And the right answer: build uh, regatta course or to build some facilities. Uh, in all of all of this country, uh, what you said, what you said is the like uh, all holistic country, yeah, communistic and in then socialistic country where where is the sport was the biggest uh, politic. And in all of our country, we have a lot of a lot of facilities. 
in our country from the past we have a really good education about canoe kayak sport which you don't have right now in the another country actually in australia now have a good uh, the sport institution you know the australian uh, they, they really work they really wor work and do the research about canoe and kayak and in all of our country is just the i believe is just the really uh, how to say is like historical happened just because of the communism and socialistic uh, socialistic group country and yeah. uh, like the like the country also hungary and actually bulgaria is really good in was in that time in it's really small country and what i found when i when i live in russia that soviet union they help to some country like bulgaria for example cuba cuba you know the the fr friendly country to develop the some 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 different sports just to take the medals from us from usa so, yeah <laughs> for example you have the bulgarian weightlifting really great they have an amazing history and soviet union were helped with the coaches with the scientists to the bulgarian just to to promote and to develop this sport to catch some silver bronze or even gold to don't they said cannot catch this medal in in the total rank you understand that was the, the main fight the total rank of the medals so it was all politics yes for me absolutely <laughs> and uh, uh, now uh, now is is still yeah th because of the of the history for me that's why the, our country is really good so tell us about this race we're up to the big one now this was the last major race yeah. was this the last major race of your career did you retire after this or it, no i i have two, two more season but uh not 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 so good because th that was the final uh, uh, race when the 200 uh, was olympic race yeah and after that the race is not olympian and actually is uh, all about politics again when it's not olympic distance you don't have that salary what you have when it's olympic distance even if you world champion you don't have the training camps that much that you have before so just after this race is like just turn everything in the half and the uh, motivation as well so tell us about the olympics because i was looking up the results you actually qualified you won your heat and then you won your semi-final yeah. you're one of the fastest qualifiers yes. for the final that's why you're in the yes. middle lane right you're in lane six yes so what was your feeling like going into this race so as I said, you know, before this uh, race is always uh, you have some drama. I also had drama <laughs> like inside inside of the country, and actually that's also one of the reasons why I'm here now or not here, why I'm not in the Russia right now. So I, I had like the, some conflict with the, my federation, and uh, I really were fighting to go there. I also I won the selection, and uh, okay, it doesn't matter these details, but Olympic Games is the such a different uh, race compared to all of the world championship as i'm said because it's the political event mm. and one month before olympic games on your field appear maybe 10 or 20 some uh, important guy in the suit from the some uh, region from the some ministry of the sport and they and everyone start to tell you like you know man uh, I help you in that time you even don't know but uh, you have to you have to now to do you have to make medal you have to do this you have to and it's really big pressure especially in the Russia like country like in the Russia and there's a big pressure and 
I, I, I also had a big pressure before this Olympic Games. And if you see lane six, uh, seven and eight, this is three Ukrainian guys. Yeah. The, 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 that's oh, that's the your buddy from Azerbaijan. From Azerbaijan. Yes. Yeah. And the lane eight is the Ukrainian guy. And actually, the lane seven competing for Azerbaijan because of the lane eight competing for Russia because of the lane seven. <laughs> and uh, what happened with me in this race uh, is just because we were really close to each other with the with the Jemianenko, with the guy from Azerbaijan, and uh, that's uh, that's not the that's broke my 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 idea of the race. We start to fight against each other. We just again against each other. I really fought all the race, and it was uh, like personal stuff and all the <laughs> But uh, actually, that's the first race. Uh, uh, you know, when I when I when, so the before the you get in the start machine is really like uh, all the time before. I never ha I never have the thought in my in my head that I can lost really. Always, I had like uh, when I came to the this start machine, I have okay, that's my race, that's my distance. I love this. I will enjoy this as much as I can, and doesn't matter. That that's always what I have, and it always works. And before this, it's something was different. Also, also of the pressure, it's Olympic Games, and uh, I'm also changed my routine before the final day. So normally, I'm doing like. Uh, Two days before final, we have the hits, semi-final. When I have the semi-final, I do semi-final. I do after this like 30 minutes easy paddling and I go rest. I not stay in hotel, I go somewhere to the beach or I mean not to play volleyball, but just to hang out and to change the environment in the, in the, head, in the head. And next day we have Olympic Games. And this afternoon, uh, which I supposed to be somewhere out, I just said to the coach, like, hey, let's go, let's go to the regatta course. I want to do like few, few, few short sprint. I want to do because I know, I, I know I have GPS. I know my speed. I know how it should be. And I was not, uh, I don't know, sure or something. Now I can speak about this because it's a long, long time is passed after that moment. But in that moment, I was, I, I was not control myself. That's what I can say. And I said, okay, let's go. I need to, to see the speed once again. I need to see this piece on, on my GPS uh, for tomorrow. And that was also a mistake because I'm born another energy this afternoon. And yeah, that's happened. Wow. <clears throat> but that's also, you know, the Olympic champion, for sure, for me, Olympic champion is the like uh, karma, is destiny, really. Can you imagine this Ukrainian guy, Yuri Cheban? I will just tell you the story now. Uh, he he doesn't uh, select for the Olympic Games. He lost the quota. He doesn't have quota. When he came for the European qualification, he was uh, ill and he couldn't compete. So he didn't compete. And in the end, so he was not on the Olympic uh, list. In the end, Australia, Australia and Oceania doesn't have the C1. Uh, 200 meter, uh, 200 meter athletes, but they have this quota, and they uh, like give this quota to ICF, and ICF give this quota to the Yuri Cheban, to the guy. Really? Wow. But that's not the end. Listen, listen more. You see, he is on the lane number eight. 
the lane number eight is means he got uh, to final by the time he were the third in the semi-final and uh, i know he's good he's really good guy and that's that's what I, why i said that that's the like karma to be olympic champion he is absolutely amazing person great guy and after the semi-final i spoke with him and he telling to me like man uh, you have the all the chance really like and because also he know my story and and he thought in that moment that he is not in the final because he was uh, like it's two semi-finals or three semi-finals and some best time and uh, martin fuchs actually from czech was i don't know what changed how it's changed they announced after semi-finals that martin fuchs are the last guy who goes to the final so he and wasn't even in the final for a bit they said to him in the evening when he were drinking beer really like <laughs> one glass of the beer in the <laughs> lobby of the of the hotel you know and they said to him, Yuri, you are in the, in the final. And the wow. guy without any pressure, go to sleep, wake up, lane eight, you know, not in the middle. He got the quota like uh, I, say, I, I told you how. And he got to the final <clears throat> this way and he won the Olympic Games. So that's the story. That's a cool story. Look at the times yes, there. That's the amazing. What, less than yes. one second between everybody. Yes. And that dude, actually, the third, for example, he was the hometown hero, right? Yes, yes, machine, machine. He won the three medals at the Rio. Isakias, yes. So what actually, happened? That's also interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. What happened after the, the, the guy? Uh, I, I will say this, this story about Isakias. He is competing C one thousand, C two thousand, and C one two hundred. This is really unique. We have now few guys in the world who can compete uh, 1,200 meters because the sport starts to be so specific that uh, not too many people can, can manage these two distance. And uh, before, uh, just because the C1 and C2 is uh, in, the, in the one day and you have the heats and semi-finals. So his partner in C2 were doing warming up on the water with the, another guy because this guy were competing in C1 and he jumped in the C2 exactly before the race and the guy were his partner were doing warm-up with the another guy so that's really unique also case this guy and this brazilian team <laughs> wow so what happened how did you go from being in the olympics in 2016 to becoming a stand-up paddler uh okay i i really uh, i i were trying to compete more uh, two season i i were doing more easy I continue to go training camps but uh, as I said, it's not Olympic distance, uh, but I, I, I was in the team. I was in the national team. I was uh, uh, competing some international Super Cup race and uh, some another race. And in 2017, selection for the World Championship in Russia, and uh, I, I was second, and only one spot uh, have place to go to World Championship. So, and for the last maybe seven, eight years, that was my first time I uh, didn't make the national team to the world championship. And I don't, I, don't, I don't live in Russia. I don't have home in Russia. I was just in the team, training camps or some, some training base. And I'm just, okay, the June and first time in my life I really free in the June. 
and I don't know what to do. And I'm just made the post in Instagram like, okay, this is my result. Guys, I really open for the any, any opportunities. Uh, like, I'm free. And one guy from Crimea, he sent me a message. Hey, man, here is the Russia. Russia is, uh, will go the, to the first time to the Denmark, to ISA, stand-up paddle world championship. You have to try. You have to try. And for me, that was the so big uh, opportunity. More uh, is not about stand-up or uh, something. It's just, okay, I still can do this year international competition in the, another national team. I can, I can go to the world championship. And I'm just, uh, we just, this guy called me. I didn't know him. Uh, he just followed me on Instagram. And he's from Crimea doing stand-up paddle, some uh, rental. And he invited me, and after three days, I'm just, uh, I, I flew there. I came to Crimea, we took the hard board, go to the lake. I made 100 meters uh, like the sprint. We checked my speed, my speed was fast. He said, oh, this is super fast. No one paddled in Russia like this. And that's how I'm starting to do stand-up paddle. <laughs> well, fast forward, yeah. fast forward a couple of years, and you ended up, um, we were over there in Qingdao together. I've actually got this race up on the, the final of the uh, the 200 Ooh. meters. This was a good one. This was... Um, yes, that's the was, that was a good one. This was basically... I really, I, yeah? Yeah. Did you think um, what kind of... Like how much of an advantage do you have coming from Olympic 200 meters going into this discipline against stand-up paddlers that are usually you know in the ocean or something? Like this is your event. Um, advanced. Like, what I mean, what kind of advantage do you think you had against guys like you know Connor Baxter and these guys? Because you do two hundred meters. You, hang on, you've done two hundred meters your whole life. Was it a simple crossover? Yes. That's you on the screen, right? Just charging. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. This was a pretty exciting yes. race to watch. I mean, for stand-up paddlers, yeah. like we're usually out in the waves or in the ocean and everybody, when 200 meters came in, I remember everyone thought, oh, well, this is, this is bullshit. This isn't real stand-up paddling. But this kind of event has really grown on me. Like, I really like this now. Yeah. It's, um, that's dynamic and spectacular. That's interesting. That's race. Yeah, it's quite exciting. And I remember when so, this finished, uh, you told me, Give me what? What'd you say? You said, "Give me twelve months. I want to beat Connor Baxter's world no, record." Two, two. We were speaking two year and it oh, probably two years. That's will be <laughs> yes. Maybe in twenty twenty one we will be able to compete. Yes, Hungary twenty twenty one, the ICF Worlds. Yes. About this race, uh, what I want to say first? Uh, we don't have here uh, more two sprint legend. This Casper and Danny. Mm. I I compete. Uh, I don't. I never compete with Danny. But I, I what I watched uh, the race for sure. He is the top guy for sprint, and uh, so it's not the full list of the best uh, stand-up uh, sprint like top athletes. And uh, this fourth place for me was more, much more enough than than could be because uh, after the. Olympic Games uh, in 2017 December, I made the surgery on my ICL. I, I had the replacement of ICL, so I didn't train in like six or seven uh, 
months at all like i was just you know recovery so and that's why i also moved to china to start to be the coach like to have some work to because i, I need i need uh, work i need money like everyone and uh, and i was not training really a lot really and if it, it, it's really good that I, I that i was forced not the third not the five or six really close to the top to the podium really close to the podium but i didn't reach the podium because i was not training enough that's for sure so that's the perfect so this was good for motivation for you yes exactly exactly yes i, I really uh, i made this time in the moscow 49 seconds i made this time and so i made my time i i i don't uh, I, I i cannot say like oh i i could better or uh, something was wrong no everything was good i made my 100 percent at this race and that's my position and it's good it's it's enough for that time because if from now if some medals in the uh, world championship it's too easy too easy <laughs> you gotta have something to work towards do you think you would have been faster if you actually had a board to paddle and didn't borrow three different boards in one day because <laughs> every hit yes, you did absolutely. you were on a different board absolutely absolutely because uh, the thing is the you know uh, each bo boat each board have the different feeling of the floating and different and uh, uh, when you use some boards you know when you reach the peak when you glide in and in this moment you can do the longer stroke or you can change some something in your technique so in the final i didn't know how this board is really goes i don't i didn't know i was just start and just doing without any idea of the race but normally and uh, i have this idea like i know that i'm reached the peak for example the peak of the speed is 70 meters after start until 130 meters that's the peak of the speed and if you uh, slow down few strokes i mean the pace the speed still will go this on the just inertia and then after 130 the speed is go down in the, and this is the time when you have to catch catch up catch up catch up to keep the speed to maintain the speed so here i don't have this mm. yeah that's uh, is this the president's oh, cup in russia a good race yes amazing event in the middle of the moscow super nice is, was this a canoe kayak event and they included a sub race yes that's the one of the maybe second event of the uh, russian canoe federation including the stand-up paddle race who's who's that next to you is that the, Evgeny? Jena, yes yes Jena, J john john we call him john oh, yeah. he's actually ex-canoe guy <laughs> Yes, he is the ex-canoe guy, so he is also know how to paddle. He were in the junior Russian team. He is good. He is training a lot. He is uh, spent full time what he have for the stand-up paddle. He was in the final with you in Qingdao, right? Yes, he were six. Yeah, he, yeah. He, I think he was six. What yeah. do you? Th what's the? Uh, what's the crossover? This is what I wanted to ask earlier. The crossover between C one and SUP because a lot of paddlers have crossed over and some of them have been more successful than others what can you take from sprint canoe to sup and what can't you take so the first uh, the for the high level uh, most important is the idea of the training and methods of the training yeah uh, understanding of the how to say biomechanics of the 
stroke doesn't matter it's in canoe or it's in the soup or it's dragon boat or it's surf ski or it's uh, oh it's all trigger you know it's it's really you just understand the really like from the science part you understand the, this what this stroke is include when is the most powerful part when is the weak part uh, how is you should put your body how to act in when the boat or ball lighting so i think this this part is really give the big advance and uh, of course the functional and the strength condition of the athletes because uh, canoe is okay much much more technical sport and uh, for example so the high level of the sport is about uh, data yeah all about the numbers so I know that I spent during one season in canoe 3,000 kilometers per year. I know that I spent uh, how many minutes in the dry land training I spent. So I know everything and uh, I can I can uh, transfer this to the soup uh, uh, and make the, some good training plan for me to uh, because I understand how much I have to spend for this, for that, for that, for the aerobic, for the specific work, for the speed, for the speed endurance, for the power. So that's I, I think is the big part. So the, the so the training is a lot more. The training is just more established and more intense in canoe than sup. You've just got more yeah. of an idea of what yes. you're doing. So a lot of sup athletes. Yes. Do you think sup athletes could benefit if they actually went and trained with canoe paddlers? Like if they went the other way, because a lot of canoe paddlers come to SUP. Do you think it would help if they went and just paddled in a C1 for a few weeks? Mm, they can paddle, but uh, it will be not so so fast. I mean, <laughs> really. I mean, I don't think they'll be in the Olympics, but do you think it would help them with their SUP? Like just to learn a slightly different way of paddling and a way of training? Mm, yes, yes, of course. But uh, I, I believe that from the canoe to sub is give you much much more than mm -hmm. you come from the sub to canoe, and that that's so that's what I'm understand like from from my part. Yeah, did you get the Chinese women out there on the sub one day a week just for fun, uh, or are they not allowed no, to have fun? No, because <laughs> they they know when when they have this one day they just want to go to sleep and play games on the smartphone. Yeah, but actually you saw the Chinese team, uh, the junior especially in the Tsingdao yeah they were pretty good man i think yeah. give the chinese like three or four more years they'll be on the podium at every big sub sure. race especially the flat water events yes is the yes. sport take do you see much stand-up paddling over there no no so they actually they create the team for the this world championship like one or two months before the world championship and they were training them and after world championship this team is yeah yes so all of these guys they are from dragon boat from the canoe and kayak and they back to the sport but they don't continue to do in the stand-up paddling yeah right when it will be official for example for the icf like this may be well when all of this uh, uh cast case will mm. finish and the icf will say okay now this they will for sure they will promote and develop sport here they don't have uh, i don't know the the ISA, there's not ISA, the Chinese Surf Federation doesn't doesn't care probably about the stand-up paddling because they don't have a team. Mm. The, the, also, the people who were competing at the ISA in uh, Hainan, 
also were from canoe and kayak. Yeah. Uh, that guys, because I, I, I really know them. Yes. Yeah, so, so does it have to become an Olympic sport or that does it just have to become an official Federation sport before that they'll uh, commit some resources uh, to it? Like if say, if Kaz made a decision and said, all right, ICF, you can like run a sub program if you want, like officially, do you think the Chinese would start pouring some money into stand up paddling? Absolutely. Yes, for sure. And do you think the world would have a chance after three or four years or would China take over? No, everyone will have, and, every, and actually the, uh, the competitive uh, part of the stand-up pattern will be much more bigger because when the sport mm. is Olympic, and that's what we speak, that's, that's the, for, for a lot of countries, politics okay, is the one of the tools of these uh, global political games. For example, sport will be official. Russia will put also so much money and so much uh, uh, for the stand-up paddling also. And yeah. for example, some country like Turkey also, they are really, that is, is not so, so really famous Olympic, uh, I mean, in the sport country, but in the some, some sports, they're really good. There's also a huge country and they have also a lot of water and this, uh, they have a lot of actually now the training base, the one of the winter training base in Turkey. And when the sport will be Olympics, it depends on the national federation. And in our sport, we have really like 70, 80 really strong federation. And with the government money, that will uh, moving forward for sure faster. And everyone will have chance. And that's will in the like, uh, like look, 200 meters. It wasn't Olympic before 2000, uh, 2012. That was the first at Olympic Games. They announced that 200 meters uh, will be Olympic in 2009. Before 2009, no one were training 200 meters. The, the gap between first, second, third, and was half second, one second. Just in the three years when the sport, when the distance uh, became Olympian, Olympic distance, okay, the science, the brains, the all coaches, the all technologies start to work, okay what we can do in this distance, how we can do. For example, when I were doing this, we, tr we, we took something from track and field. We took something from the swimming, you know, because that's the two sports where really institutions work a lot in all of the country to, to, to develop the sport, to push the limits, to, to make some, the, you know, uh, breakthrough. So for, for sure, build the sport. Well, it's going to be exciting, whatever happens. If uh, the more countries that get involved, the one thing I took away from Qingdao was that there's so much potential for stand-up paddling that we haven't tapped yet because we obviously started as an ocean sport, you know, the Californians, the Hawaiians, the Australians, yes. the French, but we're just getting started with like the canoe kayak world or the Hungarians getting into it, all the Ukrainians, Russians. And if China gets into it in a big way, oh my God, that'll be, um, that'll be next yes. level. Especially in the flat water stuff. I think the ocean, you're always going to get the Hawaiians and the Australians dominating, like the downwind races and the surf yes, races. Absolutely. But Agreed. flat water, it's going to be exciting. We'll have like a whole new type of athlete. I think we saw it really when um, the Hasulio brothers came in, the Hungarian boys. Yeah. They kind of bought a new, it was just a new approach to the sport. Like the way they trained, the way they raced, it was something we'd never yeah. seen before. And there's thousands of those guys paddling, you know, canoes and kayaks in Hungary and Eastern Europe. There's good potential, huh? Yes, yes, I absolutely agree with, with what you say.
So where, when you're done in China, where are you going back to? Where, where is home for you now? You've lived in, you've represented three countries. You're now living in China. Yeah. Where, where are you going to represent in the next, um, well, next year in Hungary for the ICF SUP World Championships? Which team yeah. are you on? Have you chosen a team yet? No, I think I, I will. I will try to do it for Russia. Yeah. But actually, you know, a few months ago or maybe maybe more, I just uh, have some in my head that uh, Pan American Games have the stand-up paddle at the games. And I think yeah, maybe I, I was in Colombia for a few months. They invited <laughs> me to be like the some assistant coach for the Colombia national team in canoe. And yeah. they still invite me to work there. And I started to think, okay, I'm checked the, like some of the country, Pan-American country, they have good, they have good like Peru, Chile, they have really good like Itzel Delgado and some of the guys, they have good uh, the racer. And I see, okay, the Colombia doesn't have some really good <laughs> stand-up pedal racer. Maybe I can move to Colombia and compete at the Pan American <laughs> Games for Colombia Super Race. Well, ac actually, one of the American boys, I think, did that. Uh, Giorgio, Giorgio Gomez, he's uh, from California, yeah. from Florida, but his father or something was Colombian. I'm not sure what the connection was, but I think he's competing for Colombia now. So. Um, it's very interesting in the Olympic okay. world when you see, um, yes. like we always had in Australia in the Olympics, we always had Russian athletes, like our pole vault champion that won gold in, um, I think Sydney, she was Russian. And, uh, especially yeah. in the winter Olympics, cause we just don't have winter Olympics. We're terrible at the winter Olympics. We'd always have like Canadians or something that wanted to move to Australia and we just yeah. put a, a stamp in their passport straight away and say, yeah, come on in. <laughs> Is this common? in the Olympic world that athletes change countries? Yes, yes, a lot, a lot. Okay, now is more uh, more strict rules how to change the, uh, how to say, the sport nationality. So now it's much more difficult. You can do this just two years before Olympic Games, so you cannot move one year before Olympic Games. Uh, so before was the rule like, you can move if you marriage just of the some reason of the love. So now also you don't have this rule. So now it start to be much more um, strict, but it's just and a lot because, uh, for example, like we, we we spoke about the Hungarian, is small country with the really the maybe is the not maybe is the national sport canoe kayak in Hungary, and. Uh, it's in our sport is little bit for me is the stupid system that just only one athlete can compete or one boat can compete at the world championship and we don't have uh, nothing commercial and imagine you training 10 months uh, you, you're preparing and you second but your second place on your national uh, championship is still can be the medal at the world championship and you and you stay home and you can stay home like two three five years and sometimes you can stay home be second number in your for all the life and we don't have like euro tour we don't have any tour in canoe kayak where you can go and compete so that's why people change because the second number in the country goes somewhere and he he is able to compete at the world championship and also win the medal so that's that's normal i think it's good yeah that's a fascinating world. The more I learn about the canoe kayak world, the more I'm interested by it, especially the racing. I want to get in a C4 and uh, try that. That looks like the craziest fun. Yes. We should take a hey, C4 yeah. out in the surf sometime. 
That'd be really fun. We will take Tommy, Larry, no problem. We have a Jimmy. Hey, we can manage even bigger. We have actually C. Hey, you know, you know Sebastian Brandel and Jan Wandre actually. Of course, yeah, yeah. I've been in Potsdam. I've been in their city town, and Germany is the last country who still have at the national club championship C9. I really have no. pictures. I will send you after. Yeah, it's eight people paddling in sprint with, canoe. Uh, yes, but it's not on the international level. It's on the German uh, championship. C8 or C9 uh, is, uh, but it's eight guys paddling and one is steering. All right, you got to send me a photo of that. That sounds insane. Yes. Let's do it. We can enter the Yukon River Quest with eight of us in a sprint canoe. We can oh. sprint for three days straight, man. What do you think? Yes, I, I, I watched actually your uh, your movie and that's really... I, I would love to, to see that. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I can, but that's, the, that's really interesting. I think you'd like it because it's the complete opposite of what you competed in. You know, you go from sprint to extreme marathon. It's really an interesting mental challenge. Yeah. Maybe for the first step, uh, some 11 city tour, maybe. Yeah, two. take some baby steps, I think is smart. I did a yes, few 11 yes, cities before yes. I jumped into the Yukon. Well, maybe we'll see you at the 11 cities this year. Hopefully that event actually happens. Could be the first race of the season, the way we're going. Yes, I hope so. Well, man, we've gone way past the hour mark, but I didn't want to stop because we I was having too much fun learning about your uh, your Olympic career. It was a pleasure to chat with you. And I got to say a special thank you because you joined Club Sup Racer the other day. So thanks, man. Yes, with the pleasure. Thank you, Chris. Yes, you are doing amazing, amazing job. I'm listening to your uh, pedal cast uh, much more than now Joe Rogan cast. And <laughs> <laughs> the things that uh, the stand-up pedal community have, have uh, the, like the canoe guys and to have, to, to listen them at your... Uh, at your uh, pedal cast that's absolutely the new thing for the canoe sprint uh, community as well like for me to listen Jim to listen uh, Larry to listen Larry to listen Tommy that's really amazing thank you for both of these things for the stand up you do for the canoe sprint you do for all of us I'm really that means a lot to me uh, to be at your show thank you so much man it was my pleasure thanks for joining We'll let you get some sleep over there because you got to start training in about six hours' time over there in China. Yeah. So good luck with that, man, and we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you soon, eh? Yes. Thank you, brother. Thank you. All, All right. the best.